All right, well, Luke chapter 11 is where we land today. So if you have a Bible, you can head on over there. Uh, we have Bibles provided in the, in the rows here for you. We have uh, Bible apps on your device. If you want to get one of those, download that. That's good. And we also have the scripture up on the screen. We've been working through the New Testament book of Luke. Together as a church family covers the man, the message, the mission of Jesus. Uh, remember that the subtitle to this series on Luke is that you may have certainty. It comes right out of the introduction of Luke, the first few chapters or verses of chapter 1 of Luke. Chapter 1 verse 4 says that Luke is compiling details of the life of Jesus so that you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things which you have been taught. And so Luke, what he's doing is a, as a brilliant man. He was a, he was a physician, he was a historian, and he was a Christian. You can be smart and still love Jesus. He was a faithful man of God, and he used his intellect for the kingdom of God. Luke was commissioned by this man we hear about in the intro there, Theophilus. Theophilus was most excellent. Theophilus is his title, so he's a, a, a person of position and prominence. Uh, he was likely funding Luke to go on this mission to compile details of the life of Jesus because Theophilus needed to know that Jesus was, in fact, God. And so Luke will go and compile um, and order details of the life of Jesus. And from that, we get this book, The Gospel According to Luke. Now, Luke, in today's passage, is recording Jesus' teaching on something that I think is really important with regards to that you may have certainty. Here, Jesus himself is speaking on certainty, on seeing the truth and believing the truth. Let me ask you a question as we open this thing up. Have you ever had in your life difficulty in distinguishing between what's truth and what's a lie? I mean, this is the story of my life because I have two boys that are 22 months apart. And so I'm frequently hearing, he started it. No, he started it. And I have to figure out, okay, who started it or who broke it? And they go, Right? And they point to each other. Who broke it? And, and uh, it just leaves me with often this impossible task of figuring out what's true and what's a lie. And so as I said, I just returned from a family vacation and uh, my brother was there. And so I had a great time with my brother and uh, we played some football on the beach. And, and he always makes sure that it's his job to, to just be certain that my wife has heard every single embarrassing story at least five times from my childhood. And so he'll just make sure he delivers those to her again. And, and as kids, my brother and I, you know, as any brothers would, we, we kind of rivaled. And uh, he had this little trick that he would pull on my mom, uh, but he couldn't pull it over on me. But he would go up to my mom with, with tears in his eyes, and he would find a random bruise on his arm, and he would go, Josh, hit me. And usually I didn't hit him. Sometimes I did hit him, but it was often on the other arm, and he would just find a bruise. And I said, no, it wasn't that arm. And it, you know, he, he just, and she believed him every time. My question is, how could she be so certain? How could she believe him every single time? It's at least 50-50, right? I'm beginning to think that my, my mother believes my brother uh, more than I do. And I'm a preacher, for crying out loud. But uh, here in Luke chapter 11, 33 through 36, Jesus is speaking on certainty, on uncertainty. And I wonder if, if anybody in here ever has struggles in their heart, in their mind, with certainty about Jesus. I wonder if we ever think to ourselves, is this thing true? Even the Christians in the room? I wonder if we ever ask ourselves, am I crazy when I pray? Am I praying to the, to the ceiling? Am I, am I babbling? Do I, do I really believe this? 
Or why would I ever believe this? Some people who are not believers might say. Hear me on this. You have freedom to struggle among us. Can I just say that? Can I just give you permission to struggle? We do not want to be that church, you know? Just smile and believe and just pretend like you just completely are all on board when maybe in your heart you have doubts and you just suppress them. You're allowed to admit it if you struggle with faith, with belief, with certainty. And if you're not allowed to ask questions among the people who claim to have the answer, well, that's bogus, right? And so we want you to be able to struggle among us. We want you to be yourself. We want you to ask questions if you have questions. We want you to talk to each other about questions if you have questions. Now, this passage that we're looking at this morning with regards to certainty is a continuation of the passage before this that Andrew so uh, beautifully preached on last week. Uh, Some people were claiming that that Jesus' power and his miracles were from Beelzebub, from from Satan, while other people were seeking more signs to confirm his divinity. Jesus, we, we need more. Now, Jesus had just cast out a demon, and yet people are saying, do it again, something else. Do it again. One more, Jesus. Give me another one. And so Jesus just says, no more. No more. You've got what you need to believe. You've got what you need for certainty. And now the passage we look at today, very short passage, is his final statement to their request. And so let's read it. Luke chapter 11, 33 through 36. Jesus says, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. I love this passage passage is so good for the skeptic. And if you're a skeptic, welcome. We are very glad you're here. And this is also so good for the believer who struggles at time, kind of like the father who said to Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Or like David who said, God, where are you? And yet he's referred to as a man after God's own heart, but he struggled at times with, are you around? Where are you, Lord? So whether you find yourself as a skeptic or as a believer, I believe that this passage will help. Now, as we read these words, it can kind of be difficult to understand who or or what is Jesus illustrating here. But one thing is clear, Jesus is speaking to light, right? He's talking about light. Now think about the very first words at the very beginning of your Bible from God that are recorded are, let there be, give it to me, light. Let there be light. And so light and darkness, you think about it, they really are among the most foundational of human experiences. Every morning, no matter where you live on the planet, the sun rises and every evening the sun sets. You ever been camping? You hang out by by the light. You hang out by the fire. Every single human, open their eyes and close their eyes. Open and light, close their eyes and it goes dark. You want to surprise someone, what do you say to them? You say, okay, close your eyes. And they close their eyes, 
you want to conceal the truth. And then when you're ready to reveal the truth, you say, now open your eyes. Surprise. And so because of the, the physical reality of light and darkness being so foundational to the human experience, it's a perfect way to speak to the spiritual reality of light and darkness, of truth and lies, of certainty and uncertainty, of clarity and of obscurity. And even those who, who maybe aren't even trying to be spiritual will say things like, you know, I, I was uncertain, but then a light bulb went off in my head, right? Or I feel like you're, you're hiding something from me, like you're trying to keep me in the dark. Or I was in a bad place in life, but then I found the light, right? And people will say things like this. It's simple. It's just this universal reality. And it's all over the teachings of Jesus. Sometimes he refers to himself as light. Sometimes he refers to us as the church as light. Sometimes he refers to his word or the Bible as light. Sometimes he'll refer to general truth as light. Sometimes he'll refer to just awareness of the truth as, as light. And so here, as we read, some people are, are seeking a, a sign for clarity about, is he divine? Is he God? And he brings up this simple metaphor of light in order to address certainty. So let's take it verse by verse together. This may be my most simple sermon outline ever. Four realities, four verses. Very simple. Here's the first reality if you're a note taker. And the first reality is this. Great light. There it is. Great light. Verse 33. Great light. First reality that Jesus wants to make sure that we understand is that the great light has come. At the very beginning of the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 1, 78 and 79, remember Zechariah? He prophesies of Jesus and he says this, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so Zechariah will prophesy that Jesus is coming like a sunrise, just peeking over the horizon in his early years, but then his ministry comes and it's shining in just his full power. And then the height of the sun is at noon. And, and noontime for Jesus was the resurrection when it was just so clear. He shatters, breaks forth light into Satan and sin and, and death. Then the book of Revelation will tell us about heaven. And it says that in heaven there is no sun because Jesus lights up heaven. And so it's not unlike the very beginning of our Bible. God says, let there be light, and there's light. You ever thought about this? Before he makes the sun. And then at the very end of time, into eternity, there's no sun, only Jesus who lights up all things. The reality here is that Jesus is the great light. Jesus is the great light. Read verse 33 one more time with me. He says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Okay, so these people are demanding for, for a sign so that they can be certain that Jesus was, in fact, God. And in the preceding verses, remember as we said, he says, No more. Not happening. No more signs. I just cast out a demon. I mean, think about it. Everywhere that Jesus has gone 
through his ministry, he is basically eradicating sickness. I mean, it's just gone. The, the path of Jesus during his three-year ministry has not been a trail of destruction. It's been a, a trail of reconstructing. He's, he's restoring sight to the blind. He, he's causing lame people to walk. He, he's, he's preaching such a way that people who don't understand now start to understand. He, he's bringing the dead back to life. He's, he's ending natural disasters. And mobs of people are coming to him. Jesus, 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 help, heal. And we never hear Jesus saying, sorry, not happening. He's just healing people. And so you might say, as you read verse 29, come on, Jesus, just just show them. Just give them a sign. Listen, he has shown them. He has given them plenty of signs. It's been overwhelming. And so in verse 33, basically what he's saying is, he says, you think I'm going to go through all this trouble and enter into human history, God in the flesh? You think I'm going to go through all this trouble and hide my light from you? No, I've come so that you can see the light. He says, when you light a lamp, are you going to go put it in your cellar in the basement? He says, when you light a lamp, are you going to hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Remember the song? You're not going to hide it under a a basket. No, he says, you're going to put it up on a stand for all to see. And that's what I've done. I've been public with this stuff so that you can see that I am. And God, my light has been made available for you to see. What Jesus is saying is, listen, you're asking for another sign. I've given you plenty. And some of you need to hear this today. God is not trying to hide himself from you. You ever feel like it? God, are you hiding yourself from me? God, where where are you? Listen, God is not the problem. God's not the problem. Listen to me. This is important. The problem is not light. The problem is sight. The problem is is sight. Listen, if you're blind, it doesn't matter how bright the lamp is, you're not going to see it. It doesn't matter what the flashlight is is pointing at, if you're blind, you're not going to see it. God is not trying to hide himself from you. God is not the problem. There's plenty of light. What we need to admit is that I'm the problem. I am am blind. Jesus, the light, has come. And you can't miss it unless you're blind. Unless you're blind. Which brings us to the next reality, reality number two is weak sight. Great light, but there's weak sight. There's weak sight. Some of us have weak sight. Some of us have no sight. Look at verse 34 with me. He says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, your eye is the lamp of your body and what your eye sees affects how your body is going to react so my sister has a blind dog rescue dog and uh her name is helen you get it helen keller i'm not sure what i think about that name that was kind of mean but the problem is my sister moves a lot and so her blind dog moves 
with her. And she's been in, I think, four or five different homes since uh, she's had Helen the blind dog. And uh, so Helen's always bumping into walls. It takes her a while to figure out the layout of the house. And so she's always bumping into walls because she, she can't see to, to react. And listen, if you see Jesus, you react. You need to understand that if you see Jesus, he, he moves you. If you really see Jesus, he changes how you live. I think the Bible makes that abundantly clear. That if Jesus is not deeply changing you, there is something that is off. And Jesus is saying, listen, if your light, if your life isn't, isn't lit up by me, if you're not moved by me, something is, something is off. So verse 33, I'm not hiding myself from you. Verse 34, it's just that you're blind. It's not a light issue. It's a sight issue. But you can see. You need to understand that you can see. Jeremiah chapter 29, 13 says, If you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. Another promise, James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so the promises are, are there. The problem is, is that so many people don't actually want to see. So many people actually don't want to, to see. Many will say, well, you know, if God would just show himself to me, I'd believe. And yet God showed himself to these people and they didn't believe. If God would just show himself to me, I'd believe. He says, I've given you my perfect word. I've shown myself to you. If you seek me, you will find me. God, if you just show yourself to me, I would believe. And yet, you've never done the work of seeking after the Lord. Some people are willfully blocking out the light of Jesus in, in their life. So yesterday morning, I woke up in Delaware. So our vacation uh, was down in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And we stopped halfway in Delaware at my great aunt's house. And uh, her name is Myra. And uh, she's just amazing and she's just a faithful prayer warrior she prays for me more than almost anybody and uh, she's in her late 80s and so her body's getting really frail and and so she asked me if I could do a couple things around the house move this move that and uh, one other thing she asked me is if I could help her with uh, the shade in in her bedroom it was one of those um, shades where you pull it down and then if you let it go it kind of rolls back up you know what I'm talking about it just completely blocks out the light it's not uh, translucent it just blocks out the light and and the problem with the shade was that it, it wasn't working it wasn't rolling back up as it's supposed to its default mode was down when default mode was actually supposed to be up right and i think that's how some of us can be as well for so many of us default mode is supposed to be up we're supposed to be people who are letting light of Jesus into our lives and permeating our lives and warming us and shining light on who we are and what's going on in our lives. But instead of our default mode being up so that the light of Christ can come in, for many of us, our default mode has become down. In other words, we're trying, maybe subconsciously, to block out the light of Christ. Jesus says this in, in, in John chapter three nineteen. It says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. 
And so some of us are pulling the shade down, trying to block out the light. Why? Because we love darkness. And think about this. Why do many of us love darkness? Well, there's several potential reasons. Maybe we like to keep the shade down because we're lazy. We just want to keep sleeping. We don't want to do the work of seeking the Lord, of of drawing near to the Lord. But then we blame it on God. Well, God, just show me yourself. He says, it's it's right here. I've given you ample evidence. You just got to do some work. You've got to seek me and find me and search for me. With not part of your heart, not most of your heart, not 99.99% of your heart, but if you search for me with all of your heart. Listen, the Bible is historically verifiable. You've got to get off your tail and do some research and you will see. You will find that this is true. We don't have one man falling at the ground, foaming out of the mouth, standing up and saying, I've got truth. We've got 40 different authors who spoke three different languages on three different continents over the course of 1,500 to 2,000 years and yet they're telling the same story. You can do more research. It's historically verifiable. You just got to do some work. But some of us are lazy. I I don't know if I can be certain. I don't know, God, just show me a sign. Do some work and you will find out. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. You search for me with all of your heart. Maybe another reason we keep the shade down is not because we want to sleep in because we're lazy, but maybe we keep the shade down because we want to keep some things hidden in the darkness. Maybe we've got some things that, that we just don't want exposed. Or, or we've got some, some sin that we just love too much to let Jesus address that sin. You know what I mean? And so we pull down the shade. For many of us, that looks like we disappear from church because of a relationship we, we shouldn't be in. You notice people just disappear for a while? Or maybe it's because of some struggle that we want to hide. And then we blame it on God. Well, the church is messed up. <laughs> so I'm just not... When it's actually you show up and you feel convicted of sin as the Bible is taught. Or when people say, well, tell me about what God's doing in your heart. And it hurts a little bit. Because the light of God exposes sin. And we blame it on others or we blame it on God. And know it's your weak sight. There's plenty of light. The problem is sight. Weak sight or for those who don't know the Lord, no sight at all. So if you would love him to restore your vision, and I would love him to restore vision, he, he came for the very purpose of, of restoring vision. He came as a light shining on a stand. He would love to give you spiritual eyes to see. Some of us need to say, God, show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. And he says, all right, let's, let's go. He'll do that. Understand Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 says, there's a day that every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. It's the great light in all his glory and fullness. The question is, will you do it now and respond and give your life to him and let his light shine on you and expose your sin and confess your sin and deal with it? By giving it to him who died for it all? Or you wait and respond and see him when it's too late to respond. Okay, so four realities. Great light. Weak sight. Here's the third one. 
false light. False light. Look at verse 35 with me. It says, therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. He says, some of you can have bad eyes and be blind, but think that you're all lit up inside. And the reality is, the light inside of you is actually darkness. In other words, there are people who think, I have found the light, but actually what they have found is darkness inside of them. He says, be careful. Make certain that the light that you have found is actually the light of Christ. There are countless false religions out there that give people this false hope, this false security. And it is our task to bring the message of Jesus to them, to be people who are coming around as people holding the lantern and and bringing light on a rescue mission to find people with the grace and the love of Jesus. But so many people will look at their lives and say, see, it's working. Or so many Christians will look at their lives and say, something's working. But if it works only for this life, but doesn't work for all eternity, did it really work at all? No. It was a false light. A light that will eventually burn out. But the light of Jesus, does he ever burn out? No, he's there lighting up eternity as we get in the book of Revelation. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 will say this. It says, even Satan disguises himself as a creature of light. We know that Satan was beautiful. Lucifer was beautiful angel. Even Satan himself disguises himself as a creature of light. So don't be deceived by false religion. Don't be deceived by looking at a person saying, oh, they look good. It looks like things are working there. If it's not Jesus, it's a light that will burn out. Don't be deceived by the false light of a person. Don't be deceived by the false light of a, of a place. Don't be deceived by the false light of a thing or a career or stuff. It gives you a false security and it will burn out if it's not Jesus. And for the religious leaders of, of this day and this passage, they thought they had some great light. They thought they were doing really, really well. They thought they were leading people in the right direction. We've got the light, come follow us. But they were leading people astray. That's why Jesus kept saying, you're blind guides. Several times he calls them blind guides. You're guiding people like you have the light, but you're actually blind yourself. You don't see the light. You don't see the light. So, great light, weak sight. One reality is that there are false lights out there. I have found the light, and it's not actually the light. It's actually darkness. It's a reality that we need to be aware of, especially in such a pluralistic society. And the last reality is this. Number four is true True sight. Check out the reality of true sight. Look at verse 36. He says, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So it's kind of like a a formula, isn't it? If this, then this, for you science people and math people in the room. If you had eyes to see Jesus, 
if he pulled the veil back from your eyes and you get lit up by him, then you will be wholly bright. If you have true sight, then your life will be changed. And so the question to you is, are you wholly bright? Closing question is, are you wholly bright? Holy as in holistically. Are you holistically bright? I love how light is pervasive. Isn't that interesting? It's just, it's so pervasive. It'll, it'll creep around corners. It'll get through every single crack. When I was sleeping down in, in Delaware, I was in, in a dark, dark um, kind of den where they had it all man-caved up. And, and, and yet the light was kind of going through little cracks of, of the house and getting down there. Light is pervasive. And so if the light of Jesus is really shining the lamp of your eyes and it's moving you, it's going to be pervasive in your life and you're going to be wholly bright. You're going to be changed. Are you so convinced that Jesus is Lord? Are you so at a place where your life is all about Jesus that he really pervades every area of your life? One thing that has been such a burden of my heart that I feel like I'm constantly preaching for about a decade now has just been preaching against complacent Christianity. I mean, the Bible could not be more clear on hardly anything than the fact that Jesus hates complacent Christianity. I wish you were hot or cold, but you who are right in the middle makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. Because you're lukewarm. I mean, how do we miss that? If Jesus has really lit you up, he will pervade every aspect of your being. You will be wholly bright. You will not compartmentalize. This is my faith. This is my work. This is my faith and family. But this is my extended family. And when I'm with them, they don't really like Jesus. So I shut up about Jesus. You will be wholly bright bright. We have to kick open the doors and stop letting just a little bit, let them pervade every area of our lives. Holy bright. That's a good question for us to close with. As you assess your own life, as you assess your own heart, are you wholly bright? Because if you have true sight, you've really seen Jesus who has made himself and his light available to all of us. If you have seen him, you will be wholly bright. You will be changed. Not necessarily all at once, as some are. I just heard a story yesterday about this man who was completely just a messed up alcoholic. It destroyed every area of his life, and he gave his life to Jesus, and it was as if overnight everything changed. That's amazing. Praise God. That's not everybody's story. Some people it's a little slower, but there should be evidence of change happening in your life. There should be evidence of a desire that I, I know I'm not there. None of us have arrived, but I really want Jesus just to pervade every aspect of my life and, and, and change me. Are you wholly bright? That's a great question. And some of us in here, perhaps Jesus has not lit you up. And for some of the people that you love, you know that Jesus has not lit them up. Listen to John chapter 12, verse 35. 
So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And then in verse 36, check this out. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Do you hear that word? While you have the light. As if to say, not every person is always going to have the light around them. If you keep rejecting, you keep rejecting, you keep rejecting, the lights go out permanently. And then verse 36 actually goes on. And it says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. He hid himself. So you've got a window of time. People in your lives have a window of time. And if you reject and you reject and you reject and you pull down the shade and you pull down the shade and you shut Jesus out, eventually it says he will hide himself. And so some of you today, you need to respond by lifting up the shade and saying, Jesus, I want to give it to you. I want to receive sight. I want to see. I want to let your light come in and change me. I have lived for myself. I want to live for you now. Please expose my sin. Deal with my sin with your life and your death on the cross as a substitution for my sin. You resurrected to life. That was you shining in your glory. I believe in that. Some of you today need to give your life fully to Jesus and just lift up the shade. Some of you are Christians. You've kind of been trying to pull down the shade, but the light is still coming through, but you're trying to block Jesus out. You need to expose some things, bring sin to light. You're forgiven of it all, but you need to deal with some stuff. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. I'm just praying that God would make us a people of light, people of honesty, a people who are wholly bright. Not that we're perfect, but it's clear that Jesus has infiltrated all of us. And so I want to pray for you, and I want to pray that God would just light you up in a good way and cause you to be a person who is wholly bright, who shines in our community so that as we go out and we do community service, we're not just doing good deeds, we're bringing the light of Christ. When we go out to family summer gatherings, we're bringing the light of Christ. When we're doing things in our neighborhood, we're bringing the light of Christ because he has lit us up and we're wholly bright and he infiltrates everything. Can I pray for you? God, I give my friends in this room to you. God, I pray for the believers in this room who maybe have been guilty of trying to compartmentalize and you're, you're saying, no, I want to be in every aspect of your life. And they stop letting just the light of Jesus kind of slip through the cracks. And may you actually just, may they just open up the doors and, and you light them up completely. Touch every area of their lives. May they live wholeheartedly for you. God, I pray for those people in here who are willfully trying to pull down the shade and, and say no to Jesus. God, I pray that you would just take their hand and help them to lift the shade and let you come in completely. I pray for some Apostle Paul moments in this room. You didn't just lift the shade up. You ripped the shade off the wall and just shine your light on him so bright that everything just changed. God, I pray that you would do that. For people, they can't resist you, Lord. Because you're drawing them and you're working in their hearts. 
and you just shine your light on them and change everything about them. I give these people to you. I give these people who are in our lives to you that we've been praying for for so long. We want to see people come to know Jesus, to be lit up by Jesus. I know it can be painful at first, like when we walk out of a house that's been dim right into the bright sun. But then it brings hope and life and exposure of things that we've worked so hard to hide and there's great freedom in that. And people experience the freedom of the light of Jesus shining in them and then through them. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would do your work among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.